Dan Bongino. They've been tweeting to me, Bongino's a nut, Bongino's a blanker, blanker. The Dan Bongino Show. Everywhere big government gets bigger, corruption grows bigger, and these liberals just keep going on and on and on about how great big government is, and they can't prove to you any examples of how wonderful big government is almost anywhere. Get ready to hear the truth about America. Young kids, you are too stupid to figure out your health insurance needs, so we're going to hammer your cabooses to death until you figure out that the government knows what's best and you're an idiot. On a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Renegade Republican with Dan Bongino. Producer Joe, how are you today? Doing well, man. All ready to go, brother. Yeah, a lot to talk about today. So uh, I just want to hit a a couple quick things here, you know, these... This constant focus, I think the media is actually electing Republicans in these special elections, whether they know it or not, (laughs) making these things a referendum on Trump and totally not understanding that they are not referendums on Trump. They are individual congressional races between Republicans and Democrats, making it a referendum on Trump. Trump makes it a race between the media and Trump, which Trump has shown an ability to win over and over again. So Mm -hmm. I covered that on a Facebook Live today. I'm going to hit that briefly, and I want to get to a couple other stories as well. Including a really dangerous um, phenomenon I'm seeing going on right now, uh, dangerous to the republic. Uh, I don't mean physically dangerous, but this negotiation and secret stuff we're seeing, whether it's Obamacare for Republicans, uh, whether it was Obamacare for Democrats when they started it, this is mm-hmm. this is not good. This is bad stuff, folks. But I want to get to that, and I want to tell you why that's happening and why it's it's not the Republicans' fault. It's their fault they're doing it now, but it's not their fault it started. I'm not trying to cover for them. I just don't want to get to that, too, because it's a really dangerous development. All right. Today's show brought to you by Brickhouse Nutrition. You know, I love these guys. They make the best nutrition products out there. Thank you for all the emails, by the way. I got a really nice email from Jerry and from my old buddy Josh yesterday. They're, uh, they used Dawn to Dusk, Brickhouse Nutrition Energy, uh, their energy product, which gives you about 10 hours of energy. You don't get the ups and downs of, of coffee and of energy drinks where you get these energy highs and then you crash. This gives you a nice elevated energy boost. You know, Jerry was talking to me yesterday in the email about uh, he, he rides bikes and he said this stuff gets him through the day. And Josh was saying how he took a really long drive to Florida and the stuff was fantastic. You don't get these really, really high peaks and low valleys with this stuff. Great for CrossFitters, great for people who work out, for working moms, for people who have really tough jobs all day and need to be on top of their game all the time. Go give it a look at BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. That's BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. And the product is called Dawn to Dusk. And believe me, it works, Dawn to Dusk. I've used it. It's really, really good stuff. Go check it out. Okay. So just quickly on this referendum on Trump thing, I mentioned this last night on Facebook Live that these individual congressional races, like the Georgia 6th special election, which we saw uh, the other day uh, where the Republicans prevailed, looks like it's now going to be a victory by four points. The mistake I think the media is making is they're assuming that Trump is is unpopular, but they're assuming that amongst all the wrong people. And here's what I mean by this. So let me just reset the argument here. These are congressional races, ladies and gentlemen. Frankly, a lot of the people running in these races have very little to do with Trump other than the fact that they're running as Republicans and there's an opponent running as a Democrat. Makes sense, Joe? They're not. Yeah. Some of them are running with Trump. Some of them are running and not running against Trump, but they're not really saying much about Trump. Some of them have different ideas than Trump. But the media is obsessed with, quote, sending a message to Trump. So when you see the CNNs and MSNBCs and NBC News, you know, the mainstream media, which are hopelessly biased to the left, in their obsession to hurt Trump, they keep saying this congressional race. If the Republican loses, it's a message to Trump. The problem is 
the public's not playing along because the Democrats keep losing. They're 0 for 5 now in these races. They're, that's zero wins for five losses for Democrats, okay? The Republicans keep winning. So now, yes, the margins have been slimmer than Republicans have performed historically in these districts. But here's what I think is going on. You know, for those of you who are regular listeners to this program, you know my story about when I ran for Congress last time and how Joe and I predicted the Trump victory when nobody, very few people were. I mean, Chris Saliza yeah. had from the Washington Post had Trump's chances of winning at zero. I still have a snapshot of the a screenshot of the Washington Post headline. And, you know, listen, I, you know, I'm not the Karnak guy, the the magic predictor of the future. Or what is it? Zoltar from uh, the <laughs> movie Big. Was it Zoltar or whatever? Um but one of the things I noticed when I was running for Congress, knocking on doors, and it's critical you understand this out there, is that I would knock on the doors. I was running in a Republican primary in Florida. So when you're running in a Republican primary to win Republican votes in a really competitive primary, you knock on Republican doors. You don't knock on Democrat doors in the primary. It makes no sense tactically at all. Why? Because Democrats can't vote in a Republican primary in Florida. <laughs> in the general election, you knock on Democrat doors, try to change some minds. You don't do that in a primary, not if you want to win. So I noticed that I was given a walk list of Republican voters. And when you get it, when you pay for data, when you're running for office, this is how this works. You'll get a whatever you use, voter gravity or whatever company out there. There's tons of companies that do this. They will aggregate for you basically on a Google Maps type thing, a walk list. It's really cool. You pull it up. It, you, you click on a house address. It tells you the name. Hmm. It tells you how often they vote. It, it obviously doesn't tell you who they voted for. It's a secret ballot system, but it tells you how often they vote. So you could be reasonably assured, Joe. If when you click on that house in a Google Maps type program and you're a congressional candidate and it says whatever, 2020 Mockingbird Lane, right? Mm -hmm. And it says Joey Bag of Donuts and Melissa Bag of Donuts live in there and they voted in the last four primaries and the last four generals and they're registered Republicans, you could be relatively confident these are pretty diehard Republicans. Yeah. Point of the story. I would be checking on the list and I'd see a Trump sign in a driveway and I'd be like, wow, gosh, why aren't they on the list? There's got to be a mistake. And I would look and they would be, so say a Republican, you had a voter score and it was like one to 12. Mm -hmm. Say a 12 was someone who never misses an election no matter what, like a nuclear explosion couldn't keep them away from an election, right? Mm -hmm. Those are the people, Joe, you want to knock on their doors because they're guaranteed voters, right? Right, yeah. The reason a lot of these people weren't showing up on my list that had Trump signs in their driveway and on their lawn is they were like R1s. In other words, they voted like once in the last 30 years, if at all. Hmm. And I thought, you know what? I don't want to keep wasting time because the way the district was set up in Florida, in, in Cape Coral and Naples in that area, there's a lot of canals in Cape Coral. So it was very difficult to drive the route because of the, I mean, to walk the route. Because every time you'd reach a corner, be a cul-de-sac, because there'd be a canal. I'm not swimming to the other side of the street. So you'd have to get back in the car. In contrast to where I ran in Maryland, where you go in an HOA development, you could just walk a big circle. So I didn't want to keep passing the houses up. You see what I'm saying, Joe? It didn't make sure. sense. Like you're in a cul-de-sac. You're stuck there. You can't swim across. Might as well just knock on a damn door right. with the Trump sign here. Stop wasting time. So I spoke to tons of these people. And forgive me if I'm repeating this, but it's a really critical point. And after speaking to probably two or three hundred of these Trump sign voters, we'll call them, that mm -hmm. were not regular voters, I realized they're not Republicans. They're registering Republican to vote for Trump. Huh. They're not voting for Trump. To vote for the Republican Party. They're they're registering Republican only to vote for Trump. Folks, if Trump ran as a what a Whig, 
All right. W H I G, the wig, you know, the wigs. Yeah. <laughs> the wig, the defun- now defunct party. If Trump ran as a wig, they would register in the wig party. If he ran as a libertarian, they would vote libertarian. They are not traditional Republicans. Therefore, a couple of things. They're not turning up, I think, in the polling data. Remember the polling data, Joe, mm-hmm. had John Ossoff, the con- Democrat congressional candidate in Why, Georgia, yes. up by seven. Yes, and I me do. and you were, we said on the show, go back and listen, we were very skeptical. I was like, guys, take it easy with these polls, okay? He wound up winning by four. So the poll was, uh, excuse me, losing by four. So the poll was way off. It was off by 11 points when you think about it. He was supposed to be up by seven. He lost by four. So that's a pretty dramatic swing. I had warned you. I'm like, listen, be careful with these polls. These people aren't showing up in the polls. I said this. They're not showing up in focus group data because they're not the people in the data sets that all of the political operatives in D.C. are buying, Joseph. Mm -hmm. They're all buying the same data. Do you get what I'm saying? Like if you go to say, I I think I use voter gravity and I forget what we use the second timer. Say there are 100 companies that do this, folks, that put out data sets of voters, walk lists, mailing lists, candidates buy them. So if I, I'm not running again, let me be crystal clear. But if I were to, I'm not, but to play for a second the game. You go to these companies and say you want to send out an issue mailer. You go to one of these companies and you say, I want to send an issue mailer out on social security. They will take the data set and they will say, well, it'd probably be better to get people 65 or older who are Republicans and here are the addresses and here's how we find it. Makes sense, Joe? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But understand this, ladies and gentlemen, it's the same data. The only difference between the hundred companies I'm asking to buy the data set from is how they massage it. They use different types of voter scores, but it's not like they're all accessing some different stuff. It's the same stuff. Mm -hmm. Some of them may have access to magazine subscriptions and a couple other things, but it's the same voter data. It's just how they aggregate it and massage it. So the point I'm trying to make that I make over and over again on this show, whenever I discuss things like big data how big data can lead to big mistakes. Mm-hmm. And I've always used the Bertrand Russell turkey problem. Right. You know how all the turkeys on the farm, they're born and they're all going to be slaughtered a year in, but they don't know it. Mm-hmm. So say these turkeys on the farm can access the internet, have access to big data. And every day they're putting in data about their life on the farm. These turkeys are like, this is the greatest place ever. Day two, day three, day four, this farmer comes out every morning. He feeds us. He chases off the wolves. It's nice and warm in here. This is the greatest place on earth. They're sending emails. By day 360, Joe, these emails are spread around the world. All the turkeys are coming into the farm going, hey, can we get a spot? Yeah. Until day 365, and ah, all their heads come off, and they're all dead. You see how the big data, the data wasn't lying, Joe. Right. At day 364, the data was absolutely correct. Farmer Jones is feeding every one of them, providing warmth, providing food, providing safety. The problem is the big data, if it didn't spread around, 100,000 turkeys wouldn't have been wiped out. Maybe 20 would have if only 20 lived on the farm. The problem is, you know, 99,000 more commuted over the farm based on a data set that was incomplete. And if you don't factor in the incompleteness of that, then what do you do? It leads to big catastrophic errors. It's a problem we had in the housing market. Mm -hmm. 
when due to big data and the ability of companies to see what other companies were doing that was not there in the past. You didn't, you know, in the, with community banking, Joe, 100 years ago, loans were made locally. You right. weren't talking to a bank in China about it, what it was doing with real estate. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a Chinese real estate market 100 years ago. But banks were talking because of the growth of Internet technology, data sharing, quants, people who analyze data. And they were all saying, well, Chase is investing in housing. Housing's got to be a good bet. And then the government was subsidizing it. And Wells Fargo and all these other people were issuing mortgages. So what happened, Joe? They all said, well, Bobby's doing it, so we should do it. And it, it created this circular spiral where all the turkeys mm-hmm. started piling onto the farm. But the data set wasn't complete. The data set wasn't complete. Because once you had a minor blip in the housing market and, and sales started to go down, which they never thought would happen, and demand started to dry up a little bit and oversupply kicked in, the whole housing market was wiped out. None of this would have happened if it wasn't for the international and and basically global exchange of data. Now, how the heck does this relate to what I'm talking about with Trump? This is what's happening with Trump right now. You're having big data group think they're using the same data sets on voters that are not taking into account voters that just voted for Trump for the first time. If you would let the data set be complete and you would acknowledge the faults in it. Now, granted, the data set wouldn't have worked pre-election. I mean, in other words, when I say data set complete over a few cycles, if these people continue to vote, Joe, they will become part of the big data set. They're not now. Mm. So but they don't acknowledge that in the data. You know, they'll give you an error rate. Oh, it could be plus or minus three or four. But what I'm saying is the obviously the data is wrong. Nate Silver, who's a who's a pretty popular and famous pollster, even acknowledged it. He before the Georgia six race, he said there's a 70 percent chance that uh, the Democrat candidate also is going to win and a 30 percent chance that big data and math is all wrong. Hmm. You're all wrong. It's not that the data's the data's wrong. It's that the analysis of the data is wrong. In other words, you are polling people who are saying they won't vote for Trump. It's just the wrong people. (laughs) There's a whole bunch of people you're not polling because they don't appear because they have a yard sign. They've never voted. They're not in your data set. And you're all using the same data set. Now, the mistake they're making. Does that make sense, Joe? Did I land that plane right? Yeah. yeah, You're still, yeah, three points. Yeah, three point later. Good. Thank you. Mm -hmm. The problem I see that me and I'm not giving anybody advice, folks. I'm just trying to explain to Republicans, too, how this can turn around and bite us later on. Mm-hmm. It's always better to know than not know. And we'll get to the secrecy thing in a moment. But don't we, we eventually they are going to figure this out and they're going to stop making these things a referendum on Trump. And they're going to run local candidates on local issues, which, frankly, folks, is the way to win these congressional races. You're a Democrat. You want to run on the Second Amendment in a Republican-leaning county? Honestly, that's probably the way to do it. Mm -hmm. It's worked in West Virginia for a long time. They're going to figure this out eventually. And this is my warning sign before the 2018 elections. The media is going to figure out. And what I'm getting at is what I mean figure out is that referendums on Trump are not working. Because when you make a local race, a race about anything other than the candidates who are actually running, You get what I'm saying, Joe? Mm -hmm. You're actually drawing out Trump voters who, frankly, Joe, couldn't give a rat's caboose about the candidates. 
Right. These are the people in the yard signs. I, I'm not. It's not. I'm not disparaging them. These people have actual lives. They work for a living. They're hardworking Americans. They do real stuff. They don't worry about journalism all day. They're not watching CNN. They only found out that the race was a referendum on Trump because the media said it every single day, and they probably accidentally clicked on the nightly news one night and saw a story that this is a referendum on Trump. If if Karen Handel loses, Trump will get hurt. And they're like, really? These are people with jobs that work for a living, Joe. They catch the story. You know, they get off work early one night because they're actually doing stuff. And they're like, this is a referendum on Trump. I better get out and vote. (laughs) You see my point? The media like gave the election to the Republicans because they're so obsessed with sending a message to Trump, not realizing that the Trump voters are sending a message to you, which is the double barrel middle finger. Mm -hmm. What has two thumbs, sticks two middle fingers in the air and screws the media? This guy, it happens every time. Whoa. They can't seem to get past the fact that the, nobody trusts them. They're like, Trump is historically unpopular. Newsflash, you're historically more unpopular, the media people. Just shut up. Again, you may say, well, why are you giving them advice? I'm not giving them advice. I'm warning Republicans that it's already happening. Now. In case you have any doubt, what I'm saying is true. Like, oh, Dan, you're just making this up. The Democrats aren't going to change their approach. Eh, they may not. I mean, like I said to you in yesterday's show, they are obsessed with emotion-based problem solving. You know, when I was in um, graduate school for psychology and a pretentious, uh, um, you know, I, I never talk about education and stuff because I always think it's like, when people tell you what degrees they have, mm-hmm. don't you want to like get him in a like a rear naked choke in jujitsu and like tap them out you're like will you please shut up like shut up. no but it's re- it's relevant only to this topic there was a really bright professor i had he was a huge liberal but he was a smart guy and he, he used to say to me all the time that uh when we were talking about people who have not biochemical imbalances in the brain but who have like problems with mood and adjusting to you know to, to life circumstances and things <laughs> like that you know they're not clinically psychopathological but they have some issues dealing with things. He would say, one of the problems I see all the time is the idea of um, emotion-based problem solving versus problem-based problem solving. He said people do the wrong thing. Mm. In other words, when it's time to focus on the emotions because there's no problem to be fixed. In other words, like death. Not your death, obviously, but a death in the family. Mm -hmm. A father, a mother, God forbid. You know, I know, Joe, you you know dealt with this recently. Yeah, yeah, you grieve. I mean, this is your parents. It's not... But the reality is, when you think about it rationally, the problem there's nothing you can do about the problem. Mm-hmm. The death is obviously permanent. There's nothing. The, what you have to learn to do is deal with the emotions. And what people want to do sometimes, this is his, you know, the psychologist who was, was telling me this was the professor, is that they they constantly that they're always seeking to like somehow bring the person back and relive the, rather than dealing with the emotion. You can't deal with the. And he said the, the vice versa too. Sometimes people deal with emotions when they should be dealing with the problem. Why am I bringing that up now? I was going to ask you. <laughs> yeah. Give me a second. What does that have to do with anything? The media Democrat complex is so angry at Trump, Joe, that they're not focused on the problem. They're only focused on the emotions and a way to deal with the emotions, not deal with the problem. Mm-hmm. The way to deal with the, quote, problem of Trump, if you're a Democrat media complex guy, Joe, is shocker to win elections which they've shown absolutely no evidence they can do at the state, federal, or local level. The Democrats have ebbed in power so much, they've had the least power they've had since the 1920s, based on the state, federal, local power indexes of how many elected offices they hold. 
but they're not doing that, Joseph. No, that's standard operating procedure for the left. I mean, dealing with emotions. Does it feel good? Does it feel bad? I mean, that's normal. That's what I would expect. It it it's from you're absolutely it's 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 an obsession with intentions rather than yeah, reality. Yeah, there you go. You know, that, they're yeah. always focused on the intentions of a policy and their thing. And yes. Again, it's, it's an obsession with emotion and and being married to feelings, and it's imbued them even tactically to the point right now they're so mad at Trump that they may not change course at least in the short term. I don't want to say contradictory things, but at least in the short term, because they're still obsessed with dealing with their hatred and anger towards Trump, which mm-hmm. is doing nothing. They need to focus on the problem, but they will figure it out. And it, I'm, I'm pretty sure of that. And that's why it's a warning sign to Republicans that we better keep our candidates uh, in the in the races. We better get good candidates out there. and We better be ready to deal with them on local issues and not necessarily any more referendums on Trump. Now, here are two examples to show you that they are getting it. Chris Murphy, Democrat senator from Connecticut, who this guy was one of the biggest conspiracy theorists out there about the Trump Russia fairy tale. Yeah. So he he said yesterday after the election, here's a quote from him. This is a Democrat senator from Connecticut speaking about the Russia thing. He says, I have to say he's talking about voters right now Mm because they are never talking about issues like Russia. They're just not talking about it. He goes, frankly, about what's on cable news at night. They're not talking about Russia. He was giving an interview. This was one of the biggest Russia conspiracy theorist advocates of all. And he's now saying that the voters on the ground just aren't talking about this. And he says at the end, they're not watching cable news at night. What? It sound like yesterday's show, Joe? <laughs> Where I told you that those yeah. 20% of persuadables when I was knocking on doors have right. no idea what you're talking about with this right. Trump-Russia thing? Yeah, Most of them are like, well, whatever, dude. It's just embarrassing. Can we move on to stuff that actually matters to me? Second, Debbie Dingell who is a uh, Democratic representative. Another one, not far left, but far enough left. Debbie Dingell said the identity politics platform is killing, absolutely killing the Democrat Party. This is a Democrat rep talking about, in other words, the Democrats' obsession with calling everybody a racist, a homophobe, mm-hmm. a misogynist, a phobophobe, an ist, ist or whatever, you know, ists and phobes. Everything's got to be an ist or a phobe, racist or a phobe. She's saying this is killing us. Now, I've warned about that forever. But again, Joe, it's an obsession with the emotions of the Democrat Party. They are upset they're losing. They want to personally. They want to feel better about themselves, their rage and their anger. So what they do is they do what children do. They 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 scream out and they have temper tantrums and that temper tantrum is you're a racist. And even Debbie Dingell's like, hey, this, this isn't working. Calling people racist and abandoning half the country who considers themselves conservatives by smearing them with racist and and anti-gay nonsense, it's just not working. So on the on the so on one side of it, the Democrats are still furious, angry, hateful towards Trump. And I think in this short term, at least, that's still going to dominate a bit. But in the long term, even some of the most ardent conspiracy theorists and haters of Trump are starting to figure out that just this, this just is not working. So again, I bring this up as a warning sign to Republican candidates. You are going to get local candidates in these. I'm even seeing it in the 18th down here in this Brian Mast election. There's a guy, um, Palm Beach County State's attorney's guy, Aaron Berg, who, uh, you know, he... He, he's thinking about putting his name in the ring. I wouldn't call him a centrist, but these are guys who are going to try to run on local issues, Joe. You're not going to see in the 2018 elections referendums on Trump. You're just not, unless his approval rating goes down even worse. Make sense? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And it's it's like old Democrats. You hear, well, 
the old Democrats would be turned over in their grave with what's going on today with the new Democrats. Well, they would. because the old guys would deal with issues. I mean, you even remember, Joe, uh, you know, in Maryland. I mean, they, Maryland, the deep blue state. Yeah. You know, they've, they've had Democrats over there a while back who mm-hmm. were, you know, I mean, when when Dutch uh, Ruppersberger first got elected, he was a I mean, he was definitely a blue dog. I mean, it changed yeah, later. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. Right on the money. But this is in Maryland, the deep mm-hmm. blue state. And, I, you know, I think Joe's right. Even a guy like Dutch who had some mainstream bona fides and a, God forbid now you're a Democrat who's pro-life. I mean, it just doesn't happen. So you're yeah. right. That part JFK is rolling over in his grave right now. Right. Okay, uh, hey, folks, have you checked out Birch Gold yet? I, I was funny. I was doing some investments yesterday, and I really like these guys because I'm really concerned, even though I'm only 42 years old. I know I'm not that old, but I'm very concerned about volatility and inflation. I've spoken about this on the show often, folks. The Federal Reserve is holding literally trillions of dollars in assets that are going to have to make their way into the economy. This has me really worried. It has me worried that it could cause a you know catastrophic inflation in the future if it's not handled properly. I've discussed this often. How do you protect against inflation and the ravages of stock market volatility? Precious metals, they've been a historical source of wealth and money for centuries. Since we've mined gold and silver, people have valued gold and silver. I have a piece, a five-ounce piece of silver. It's wrapping it on my knuckles. That's it right there (laughs) from Birch Gold. They will sell you gold and silver if you'd like it, but what they can also sell you is a gold and silver precious metals-backed IRA. You can move your eligible 401k or IRA into one backed by precious metals, gold and silver. Get some stability in your income stream in the future. Go check it out. Go to birchgold.com slash Dan. That's B-I-R-C-H gold.com slash Dan. And check it out. Ask for your free 16-page guide. There's no commitments on how to move your IRA into one backed by precious metals, gold, and silver. This is an A-plus rated company by the Better Business Bureau. Read their reviews. If you think we're fudging any of the numbers, which we never do, we don't take on crappy sponsors here. We had to turn down some guy the other day, actually. Birchgold.com slash Dan. Check them out. A-plus rated, Better Business Bureau. Five, countless five-star reviews. Read the reviews from actual customers yourself. You'd be very impressed. Go request your uh, free 16-page guide. It's pretty comprehensive and check it out. No commitments to do it. Just go check it out. Birchgold.com slash Dan. Okay. All right. Um, one quick story before I move on to the secrecy and Obamacare thing. You know, I always talk about how, how Democrats can almost never tell you the truth. And, you know, I don't like to use <laughs> categoricals like that. But sadly, folks, it's true. The examples are everywhere. And, you know, the story is not super relevant to what's going on, but it's another example of how. And I mean this. This is what when I was younger and I was relatively independent leaning. When I started to figure out what Democrats really did, I have no loyalty to the rhino class at all. But even though a lot of them are not necessarily the most principled in the world, the rhinos, Joe, they're not going to lie to you that often. You know, mm. they, you may not be happy with what they're doing, but at least you know what they're doing. You know, I mean, if they want to cut taxes, they don't make it up. They're like, no, no, we legitimately want to cut taxes. Right. You know, yeah. Democrats don't do this. Democrats, what they do is they fudge the numbers constantly. And if you just here's my best advice to you. If you hear something from a Democrat that sounds insane. Like I'll give you an example. I was watching a Sunday show one day, um, a news show, and uh, a commentator. This is like five years ago when I lived in Savannah Park. One of these Democrat talking heads, news commentator types said, well, the government's far more efficient at delivering health care. Look at the administrative costs of Medicare. They beat the private sector. I said, what? I addressed this, I think, on the show yesterday or last week. I was like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I just Googled myth. 
uh, Medicare more efficient than private sector. And like a hundred articles came up debunking how stupid that idea is. It doesn't make any sense, of course, which and it was ridiculous. But I saw one yesterday I want to bring up to you. So Tammy Baldwin, who is a Democrat senator from Wisconsin and Hillary Clinton, both are trying to explain away why the Republican Party is winning in Wisconsin. Okay, so that's the premise. All right. Republican Party's winning. That's a fact. Donald Trump won the state. Uh, Ron Johnson won re-election as a Republican senator from Wisconsin. Scott Walker won election, re-election, and then re-election again in a recall election. Uh, They're winning state legislature seats. And the Democrats are in a panic. Mm -hmm. They need a narrative, Joe. The Democrats always need a narrative to explain away um, the obvious, right? Which is they're losing. So instead of just admitting we're losing, we're not doing well, and let's fix the problem, they need to pitch a narrative to the media to make it out like they're looking better than they really are, because then it leads to this kind of negative energy, like that book, The Secret or whatever. I don't believe in that stuff, but you know they don't want the negative energy to continue. So their narrative is this, Joe. Voter ID. Voter ID did it, Joe. Voter suppression. The voter suppression. That's why we're losing. Mm -hmm. And Tammy Baldwin recited a statistic. That has been debunked so thoroughly that, frankly, she should have been embarrassed bringing it up. She's not. She's probably going to repeat it again. But she said that voter ID reduced turnout in Wisconsin by 200,000 voters. Oh, my gosh. That's insane. Really? 200,000 people were stopped at the post. Stop. Hey, the universal sign for stop. Time out. Red flag. We're going under the hood for review here, folks. Yes, you cannot vote. Gosh, 200,000 people couldn't vote. You would think there would be media stories on CNN every night. Focus groups. I was prevented from the polls. You're like, 200,000 people. So Hans von Spakovsky is the greatest name ever, who writes for National Review, is a personal friend and a good man. And I'm telling you, there is no more authoritative source on voter ID than Hans von Spakovsky. He's been on CBN before. This guy mm-hmm. is amazing. He wrote a piece for National Review, which I'll include in the show notes. And there have been, I thank you to, was it Don and a couple other people? The show notes are at conservativereview.com under the podcast tab. I'm working it, moving them over to bongino.com too, just to make it easy for people having a tough time. But thanks for all the emails on that. But I'll put the article there. And he brings up some interesting numbers, absolutely thoroughly debunking this ridiculous report that came out and was put out by two left-leaning groups that 200,000 people couldn't vote. Folks, again, this is clear as day. These are facts. Let's just throw this out and and make them look silly. So the 2016 turnout, Joe, was down from 2012. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Well, why was it down? Hmm. But the 2016 turnout was higher than it was in 2008 before there was a voter ID law. So again, (laughs) when you cherry pick a data set and you cherry pick it from 2012 to 2016, rather than the 28 presidential election of 2016, you can get, what is it? Lies, damn lies and statistics. You can get statistics to say anything when you massage them. So just to track 2018, there was no voter ID, Joe. 2018. I mean, excuse me, 2008, 2008 presidential election. 2008, right. There was, uh, there was, uh, there was no voter ID. Mm-hmm. In 2016, the turnout was higher than it was in 2008 with voter ID. So if voter ID was suppressing the vote, which is nonsensical, how was the voter turnout higher in 2016 than it was in 2008? This is a vexing issue. Yeah. This is a vexing But of course, if you pick 2012 as your starting <laughs> point, you know what I'm saying? That's like saying like... 
This here's how they do statistics. It's like let's say you know <laughs> George Brett, who he was a great third baseman for the Kansas City Royals. Let's say George Brett, God forbid, had a wrist injury in his career, and during a one month stint was batting two hundred, which is pretty bad. <laughs> let's say you forget the year he won the batting title with a batting average of I think he hit three ninety or something one year. He almost had he almost had a four hundred batting average. I mean the guy was phenomenal, Brett. But let's say you pick that one month as your starting point, and you ignore all the other data in the past. George Brett pretty much sucks, right? Like, gosh, this guy's a 200 hitter. No, you dope. He's an almost 400 hitter he was in a season. He just had a bad wrist. You just picked the statistical starting point at the wrong point. The, the statistics aren't wrong. 2016 voter turnout was lower than 2012. But it was higher than 2008 when they had no voter ID. I mean, but here's another one. It's even more damning. Just to show you again how the left just completely fabricates and makes things up. Wisconsin had the fifth highest voter turnout in the country. Far higher turnout than states with no voter ID at all. Again, libs, don't let facts and stuff like that, silly things like facts and actual data, get in the way of a stupid narrative. But keep it up. I mean, Tammy Baldwin, I have no doubt, will continue to use this statistic no matter what. Really, I don't, I, I, you know, God bless her, but this is just, they're just not telling you the truth. They're just not telling you the truth. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, one last story I wanted to get to. Oh, yeah, this is dangerous, folks. This is. I know I said a couple of days ago, the Texas wind story. It's interesting. I'll bring it up. It's not really groundbreaking, but it was an interesting market story on the uh, power of free markets and the Texas wind market. But I will get to that at some point. It's interesting. I also want to get to Illinois going bankrupt. You know, there it is. Liberalism at its finest. Bankruptcy every time. Yep. But this thing happening with Obamacare right now, I got uh, the word from, not personally, but through a third party from an, from a senator who I really trust up on the hill there, who um, they're really bitter about what's going on with Obamacare. Here it is in a nutshell. This Obamacare replacement plan that the Senate's doing right now under McConnell is being conducted in secret. Now, the Democrats did this with Obamacare. Remember Nancy Pelosi's famous line, Joe? You have to mm-hmm. pass it to see what's in it. I think everybody pretty much remembers that one. The Republicans are replicating the strategy. Now, I just want to quickly explain why they're. I'm not a. This is a terrible move. I, I, it, it, but I want to explain to you why. The why does matter, even when the why explains bad things. I'm not explaining it away. Just giving you background. Here's what's happening, and what the the Republicans know is going to happen. If they, if they, if the bill slips out early, and it's going to be released later today, the Obamacare replacement bill in the Senate. It is going to be annihilated by the media no matter what. They're going to lie about it. And they're afraid of them lying about it. And you need an example of this? Remember the um, 23 million people are going to lose insurance, Joe, when the House GOP bill was leaked Mm -hmm. early? Do you remember that? Uh, They don't want that. They don't want a repeat of that. So we're doing it in secret. I I do not approve of this at all. I think it's a terrible idea. I can't be clear on this. They're going to release the bill in a little while. But I'm trying to explain to you why. That number... And what happened to them with the House GOP bill, that number was a lie. Again, right. it was a total fabrication. The CBO score of the bill did not say 23 million people were going to lose, la la lose, mm-hmm. L-O-S-E, insurance. Right. The CBO score said those people were, large majorities of them were going to choose not to pay for Obamacare insurance plans because they were too expensive. Now- the media knows this. The media knows they're lying, but they chose instead of the choose narrative to pick the lose narrative. It's just not true. 
which is interesting because if the roles were reversed and they needed to make the Democrats look good, they would have chose the choose rather than the lose narrative. Mm -hmm. But the media loses because the media's lost credibility and no one trusts them anymore. But the Senate Republicans have taken that, I think, to the extreme and are making a big mistake doing this in secret and not letting in conservative senators and the Rand Paul types and the Rand's not the Rand's office. That's not where it came from, the information. But not letting them in on the negotiation does not make secrecy the right thing to do. We are a constitutional republic, and we should be willing to wither a little bit of a media storm to do the right thing. Even though the media are hacks, they work for the Democrats. Everybody gets that. Nobody thinks the media is impartial. Nobody thinks the media can do health care. They can't, as I said, you know, in economics, they can't even do journalism. Forget about doing health care analysis. <laughs> Nobody actually believes that. But it's still not right to do this in secret. There are a lot of people out there, you know, the Mike Lees, Ted Cruz's, Rand Paul's, who have really good ideas on how free market can impact the, how free markets can impact their healthcare infrastructure, and not including them in the debate in some way, shape, or form is a really, really bad idea. So, you know, not to pile on the Senate Republicans. I know they're dealing with a lot right now, but this is a really big mistake. They should have done this in public and uh, and been able to wither a little bit of a media storm. Have some guts, like our founding fathers. You know, I'm reading a really cool book right now, an older one. But uh, Undaunted Courage by Stephen Ambrose about the Lewis and Clark. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. you think of the guts these guys had. Man. I mean, you know, I, I, <laughs> gosh, folks, this our that, you know, our founding fathers in the later generations had real guts. I mean, come on, guys, step up. Well, you're afraid the media is going to lie about you. You're going to lie about you no matter what. Put the bill out there in public. Let's get out. Let's get this. Uh, let's get some more ideas in there. Let's fix this thing and let's have some uh, some cojones, you know? Yeah. All right, folks. Thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Thanks again to everybody who picked up my book. And uh, I got an interesting story, too, I want to get to tomorrow or, or following about prison education. You may be surprised by my take on this having been a cop, but uh, interesting piece in the journal on that. All right, I'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.